Otis, if you don't stop biting me, you will get kicked out of this chair. Stop biting. This is not playtime. He says, yes, it is. It's pod- podcast. <laughs> he heard in the, last, in the last episode I revealed, which is he uh, revealed that he was the audio engineer. And so now he has to be. Yeah, it's true. He's got he's to oversee things to make sure that, mm-hmm. you know, we're doing it right. Yeah. That's all. Ones and twos, yeah. maybe some threes, some fours. <laughs> Whoa. Mm-hmm. Let's I not know. get carried away with, with no, the number four here. Let's let's settle down a little bit. Well, is we need the fours because this is a white snake concert. All right. Yeah. All yeah. right, a little bit of white snake humor mm-hmm. for the audience. <laughs> Anger, sexual lust, the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game. All these concepts originated with Karl Marx. Any, any any white snake fans any white snake fans at all <laughs> my dad my dad likes white snake i think nah. yeah, any any dads in the audience any? you have to listen to white snake if you're a dad well we do have a few dad we few, do have a few dads in our audiences some new dads in our audiences uh, in particular oh my god i know what the fuck it's weird right you have a child why are you listening to this you're an adult with responsibilities. Get out of here. <laughs> what What are they supposed to do while they fulfill all of their terrible responsibilities? I don't know. When I have chi- when I have children, I, I I quit the podcast. Go fuck. <laughs> TikTok, okay, we've got like a year. Shit, fuck. All mm-hmm. right, all right. No, the podcast is forever. Soon, everyone's children will be running the podcast because <laughs> Kyle and I will be a thousand, and we won't be able to talk. True. We'll be too old. Yeah. Well, then, I mean, uh, why would I build this empire if I... <laughs> this, this empire. This boardwalk empire, this, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Per the uh, the the forever lost conversation about... Yeah. We weren't <laughs> recording, listeners, so you're not going to know. You know what? Mind your fucking business. How about that? <laughs> you, will ne- you will never know if we really managed to figure out uh, what the difference between Mad Men and Boardwalk Empire is. I, I assume Steve Buscemi is in both of them Steve, playing everybody. Yes, but all roles, both shows. All roles, um, yeah, all roles, all genders. Steve Buscemi. Yeah, he does. He does his best performance as Betty Draper. I think he really is able to sort of capture the, this the the spirit of the, um, the bored suburban housewife who secretly resents her mother. Uh, That's classic Buscemi. Yeah. You know? Right. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> 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 you really could probably do anything i'd watch i'd i would watch him play like all of the roles in a musical theater piece to where oh he like i'd sing all the parts like <laughs> i like i would just i i hate i hate i hate how well i know he's probably appreciative of how mimetic he sort of naturally is but he really is very mm-hmm. charismatic and very talented i wonder i'm trying to decide what would be funnier if he like had a horrible singing voice and did every role in a musical or if he had like the voice of a fucking angel i'm not sure which would be funnier i like i like to imagine he seems like 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 he has like old theater chops so he can probably sing fairly well i kind of want him to be like a like a, a contra alto <laughs> yeah okay he just has like he has a very sort of like middle range 
speaking voice, but then has this beautiful, very high <laughs> singing voice. Yeah, I can see that. He, yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right. Steve Buscemi, come on the pod. Yeah, um, <laughs> we know you're listening. We want to hear you sing your beautiful songs. Tell us, <laughs> tell us your tales. Please Buscemi. come on the podcast to sing all of the music from My Fair Lady. So, we're gathered here today on this very special episode of Agab, All Gamers Are Bastards, uh, to talk about Steve Buscemi. <laughs> I'm, your, I'm your host and Buscemi enthusiast, Kay. And I am joined by the big Buscemi knower, Kyle. How you doing, Kyle? I, uh, I'm trying to think of what my favorite Buscemi romp, romp is. Con Air, maybe. Oh, yeah, he's in Con Air. He's really good in Con Air, too. <laughs> Buscemi is really in every American classic that you can imagine. He was, the, you he know? was, he was in The Big Lebowski. He was in Barton. He's Fink. in the Big Lebowski. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, that's probably my favorite. He was, in the, Sop- he was in the Sopranos. I haven't seen the Sopranos. Is he in the Sopranos? Yeah, yeah. I think he has a recurring. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it's recurring. I don't think I know that he was in. Am I doing a? Am I doing a Mandela effect and putting Steve Buscemi in the Sopranos, or am I just very tired? I don't know. It feels like something so quintessentially um, Italian American should have Steve Buscemi in it, right? Like, that's just where he goes. I feel like if you stack up a bunch of like Sopranos DVDs and leave it like in somewhere dark yeah. and damp for a while, it'll become a Buscemi. He does. He is. He plays uh, Tony's cousin. Um, okay. Who get who? Uh, who's in jail? Um, classic yeah. Buscemi. In, he, he's always being incarcerated for his crimes. Yeah, thirteen, uh, thirteen episodes, I think, throughout that season. Steve Buscemi. Uh, what else? Steve well, Buscemi, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he, he just walks. It turns out he was here the whole time and just wasn't talking. Yeah, thanks for having me. And then just leaves. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in a lot of good stuff. Uh. I, I, the Sopranos is a show that a lot of people be telling me is good, but I I don't know. Yeah, it's people uh, keep saying it. It re- the thing about the Sopranos is that I I've seen pretty much all of it, um, but so spread apart um, that I have difficulty piecing together which storylines occurred first. Besides in its first couple of seasons, which is uh, the only stuff that I've seen, again, recently. And honestly, it's fucking brilliant. It's, right. It's, it's fucking brilliant. It's, yeah. It's just really, 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 really good. Really good. All right. Yet another claim that The Sopranos is good. Contra- controversial sta- Have you ever met? <laughs> have you ever met one of those guys? <laughs> one of the guys who's just... Who's very intent on, I think, proving himself and then is always just like, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Sopranos, one of the greatest television shows of all time. It's like, yeah, dude, <laughs> we we know. <laughs> it's the- You're not ready for my big truth. Citizen Kane, <laughs> great movie. You know what? Like, I don't really care who has a problem with it. I think, like, Stephen King, 
Steve King, great oh. science, great uh, horror oh. writer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Big hot take here. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to come out and say it just to follow that up. Uh, Studio Ghibli makes good animation. Ooh. Ooh. Don't know if you're ready for that sort of like controversial sort of deep cut hot take. Yeah. If uh, you extravaganza. Like, you need to be ready. If you're coming into the podcast, you need to be ready to handle really hot takes like <laughs> Spirited Away is a good movie. I saw that in theaters. Yeah. Oh, wow. I got That's very. Sick. I had like cool elementary school friends who got me into like you know it was always oh man oh speaking of anime the uh i took my dog to the vet today and uh one of the uh, one of the workers at the vet who was incredible uh had a sailor moon tattoo um oh hell yeah yeah uh they were sick as fuck and i, I said when we were leaving i said oh by the way i love the sailor moon tattoo because as we know every morning growing up it was sailor moon Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon. And then uh, she said to me, uh, ah, it was uh, bananas in pajamas first, then uh, Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, which is true. Oh I don't know God. if you're, I don't know if you're familiar with the bananas in pajamas. Oh, I am. I am all too familiar with the pajama <laughs> bananas. The, the ones oh that are coming God. down the stairs. They're coming down the fucking stairs, and that always felt like a bit of a threat. To it, me. It's it, it, they're they're coming. <laughs> they're a very threatening gang of of large bananas. They are a gang, aren't they? They're a gang. I think it's. I think it's. Listen, I don't. I'm sorry if it's not politically correct. But I think it's time to say it. The bananas in pajamas are a gang. They're can the bananas in pajamas are canceled, and um, I if you. Um, I don't like the idea that we are normalizing bananas in pajamas coming down the <laughs> stairs. <laughs> you know, yeah, we can we please, please, folks, can we stop normalizing y'all dressing up fruit, y'all? Can we stop normalizing dressing up fruit in human clothes <laughs> and allowing them to commit crimes and be above the law? That's one of my right? one of my least favorite Twitter people is when someone who clear one of my least favorite and thus my favorite it's really annoying but it still makes me laugh a lot is someone who has clearly never used the word y'all outside of twitter and my favorite yeah, thing oh is God. to this is this is my impression of that person y'all thank you <laughs> sometimes you look at the bio of someone like that and they'll be from fucking england or something it's they, like shut up stop using that like stop appropriating <laughs> my culture stop <laughs> <laughs> that's we live i am from the american south i am allowed to use that word <laughs> that is our word no, it's like um it it really shows that someone is way too online where their speech yeah. is now being um sort of sculpted more by their <laughs> online interactions than like any real life interactions like when you stop talking like where you're from uh, and you start talking like people on fucking tumblr or twitter or something talk that means you you gotta stop you gotta stop for go a little log off and go look at a photo album of even if your family it, it, hey i understand some of us have families who are complete assholes i'm very lucky to have mm. a nice southern family um so i can sort of sort of do my best to cry, try and create some kind of you know do some dialectics and, you know, give some body to the negativity um, while, you know, preserving and creating something new and great out of it. Um, 
But uh, what we all need to do is uh, log the fuck off immediately. Like just yeah, and and, and remember remember who you are. Um, uh, I don't get invited to Thanksgiving dinner anymore because I kept doing dialectics to my family. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care for it okay you have to stop <laughs> fuck you no make me bitch <laughs> oh, fuck uh, you gonna do idealist <laughs> start slapping food off of their plates uh just uh <laughs> everyone is you're a schopenhauer you're a schopenhauer you're a schopenhauer uh this is like <laughs> yeah. just walking like just walking past the family in like a line just slapping each of them Schopenhauer <laughs> Schopenhauer yeah none of you are I free mean, from yeah, we sin. don't none of you are free from Schopenhauer yeah we don't we don't hang anymore uh, after the that incident so the Hegelian incident <laughs> the Hegelian incident <laughs> that's what that's what we call it we call it, it sounds like a it sounds like they cover it on. It sounds like some movie they would cover on Horror Vanguard that everyone said was terrible, but then you watch it and it's actually really good. Absolutely, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a uh, since we're doing this is a this is a very special agam to where we're all just, gamers are Buscemi. All gamers are Buscemi. Um, yeah. All uh, are all gamers are relaxing. Agar. All all gamers are Buscemi and all gamers are chilling. Um, Agak. Oh, Agak. Just, just none of it works. Yeah, okay. None of it works. I'm, I apologize. Acronyms are hard. <laughs> we had to steal. We did. We did steal ours. Uh, but did we? No. Oh. It has never. Uh. Sorry, I'm losing all my riffs today. I was going to make a joke about how Agab was the original and Acab um, came from our podcast, but I lost the I lost the thread. Oh, <laughs> no, that yeah, that is what happened. It's sure um, turns out, yeah. Yeah, radical anti-police leftoids um, stole our riffs about gamers and, and reappropriated them all to be about the police. Yeah, the uh, the the communists and the anarchists are appropriating gamer culture yeah. and uh, trying to destroy the West. Um, and we must uh, we must save Western civilization, uh, aka Bubsy from Bubsy 3D. Oh please, please somebody fucking save Bubsy! Oh my god! <laughs> all right, can we listen? All gamers are Bubsy is really what the <laughs> what the acronym stands for mm -hmm. it's it's one of those i am spartacus types of things you've all got to be ready to stand up and say i am bubsy because you know first they came for the bubsy you know and i i said nothing because i wasn't a bubsy you know uh but we can't we we can't let history repeat itself like that you know first they came for bubsy and i said nothing because i was not bubsy then they came yep. for croc and uh the gobos um and I also said nothing. One of the Bubsy games is called Pause on Fire. That's the one that came out last. Can you believe that a Bubsy game came out last year? I didn't even realize. That sounds impossible to me. It sounds probably bad. I imagine it's not. <laughs> I imagine it's not very good and lacks a lot of the uh, um, freakish charm <laughs> of the. <laughs> a lot of that, yeah, that Bubsy charm. 
<laughs> it's Bubsy is like Bubsy. I like Bubsy because it's clearly like supposed to be in the vein of sort of like the mascot based mascot oriented. Now, now all video game mascots are like a guy with a it, with a beard who's trying to save his daughter or <laughs> whatever video games are about nowadays. I don't pay attention. Uh, yeah, everyone's trying to save their daughters. They cannot keep their fucking daughters safe man just those kids are out of control the new resident evil is it a daughter i know it's their i know it's his ethan's son a daughter or a child i think it's their daughter i guess in re8 i think that because in seven he's going to say i gotta save my wife yeah he's gotta save his wife who's you know she's hysterical she's Mm -hmm. trying to stab him um, I have no idea what the plot is in eight. I'm gonna go in fresh and just get stepped on. It's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> that is that really? Are they like? Are they really going to? Uh, um, oh, you know they're gonna, that. Get, they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. Oh yeah, their horniness is coming uh, <laughs> in, in that game in, in never before seen quantities. Um, I watched. Uh, two like meme videos about the new resident evil and now my youtube thinks i want horny resident evil so it's giving me videos of like mods people have made of like uh like the two and three remakes where they just (laughs) give claire like huge titties and stuff for no reason and like gamers are fucking degenerates man they're gonna (laughs) it's i think that they finally learned that they gotta cater they got to yeah. cater to their little filth hogs. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm surprised it didn't happen earlier. So yeah, especially considering modding. Either like in in Resident Evil Seven, there's the uh, there's the Simpsons mod where you just replace the family with the Simpsons. That one's just for fun. That one's, that's that's pretty great. That's amazing. I need. I'm gonna go get that it's after this podcast. That sounds incredible. I I, uh, I I'm not sure if it's stability, but I've seen the footage and it's just it's fantastic. Especially the dinner oh table scene. God early in the game is just <laughs> just remarkable um awesome uh no it's a uh, eights i'm actually i have lots of feelings on seven and i'm actually still very excited for eight and i've been replaying the the reboots um of the early titles as well because for those who are fans of my video content you may be getting lots of resident evil stuff coming up from now until i decide to do something else yeah i I only just played seven recently and i i it was pretty good you know um i i especially liked um the the transition to first person feeling as if they changed nothing else compared to any other resident evil game like it still felt very distinctly like a Resident Evil game. It didn't feel like an FPS or anything like that. In any yeah, way. I think they uh, um, shout outs to the uh, games that taught them how to do that. Outlast and Outlast 2. Um, I yeah, believe I was thinking like this feels like Outlast. <laughs> if if you, like I if I were a develop a video game a horror game developer and I were working at Cop- Capcom or whatever and working on an RE title. And I had, I I can imagine someone who had worked on a previous RE title sits down and plays Outlast Two and goes, "Oh fuck, this is like because yeah. like they're like, and this isn't a this isn't a knock. It's a it's a compliment to the out the, the developers of Outlast. Red Barrels was an independent developer, um, 
and to I how I just I really really liked those games, and uh, I think to your point, I agree. Actually, it felt very Resident Evil-y, um, but very it was very different, very restrained in a lot of ways. Um, I think the sort of first person perspective like contributes to that restraint in a way um in that it can now like spoilers you know have like your old buddies come and like jump in out of helicopters and then or like come in and pop your wife in the head uh and like <laughs> like it has this like incredible like it's a very laconian game in my opinion but i won't spoil that part because um check my youtube channel and like Probably the week after this episode comes out. Um, Ooh. Yeah, it's going to be good. Horror Vanguard's coming back because we're doing spooky, so I'm going to scare the shit out of everybody. It's going to be fun. Hell yeah. I love I love my Halloween in springtime. I mean... Every season has a Halloween. You've got a, an autumn, a winter, a spring, and a summer Halloween. There's... Uh, to every season, turn, turn. Uh, there is a season... Uh, time to... Uh, a time for every purpose under heaven, um, and that purpose is Halloween. Um, yeah, all year, baby. That's how we do it. That's right, all year <laughs> Halloween. Let's go. You've never got more than a month until the next Halloween. That's kind of how I'm trying to arrange my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> you've never got. That's a great. I, I really like that. Uh, sort of new catchphrase. You've never. Hey, Gab. You've never got a. Month until the next Halloween. That's a great catchphrase. I think yeah. that really captures our uh, brand, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. Um, all gamers are uh, bats. All gamers are, are boogeymen. Boo. Boo. Yeah, yeah. All gamers Just... are boo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you know. Boo. Yeah, that's that's what the podcast is. I don't have to explain um, it. I don't have to explain it. Y'all get it. <laughs> yeah. Dear listeners, if you haven't sort of figured it out yet, it's been sort of a, sn- uh, a slow news week. <laughs> uh, there's, been a, there's been a few little things that have happened. Um, mostly just, you know, the industry sucks ass. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew about that. <laughs> the the PS5 still can't get one. Uh, still can't get a PS5. Still, um, companies are trying to get your kids hooked on gambling. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kept like for real. Like we really, <laughs> we really did actually look uh, at several places, and everything was just the same shit we cover every week. X persons doing awful thing. Children are now addicted to gambling because of video games. Uh, this thing you want isn't coming. Uh, everyone's mad. The 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 resource mines that we need to make the chips that go in this other thing are uh, um, we're running out of that. So um, yeah, there's a as always exciting time. Uh, to be a gamer, um, I salute all all of the uh, all of the gaming class um, in our struggle for relevancy in the in our contemporary moment. As people continue to neglect our very important news and stories, like is Pokemon is the new Pokemon Snap good? 
Um, is which it? I saw. Con- I saw conflicting reviews. I saw. Ooh. I saw controversy. One- yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That's the only uh, the only news item I could come up with that I was actually excited about is to I can come out of the closet as an unapologetic like complete mark for the mario party series and they okay that game the mario party for switch came out three years ago and i definitely got it quickly and it was okay it was definitely not a complete video game uh that was the criticism that people had of it and its online mode sucked that's true they have three years later added an online update um that everyone is saying is pretty great three years that's that's kind of insane yeah to do that it's uh (laughs) When you're Nintendo, you have like five games, and a lot of them are pretty that's good. That's true. Yeah. Um, that's what Nintendo consoles like. When Nintendo puts out a console that's actually decent, like the Switch, you don't need a, you don't really need another one, in my opinion. Like if you if you have a computer that can rent, like we've talked about consoles, they're a scam anyways. But like, yeah. you know, Nintendo who actually makes some decent things. Um, I still have my Super Nintendo. <laughs> still works great. Um, but no, that's, uh, I thought that was fun. That's not fucking news. That's just people now know that I'm a sucker for those games that are just like, not probably not the thing. Um, I think people think I I don't play, wouldn't play something like that. People think I'm a lot classier than I actually am, which is a big disappointment. I thought I had, I thought it, people are often like, oh, you like or watch that kind of a thing. I'm just like, who do you think I am? <laughs> what kind of image have i cultivated yeah because it's not it, it does it it doesn't sound like it encapsulates me very well uh i get very self-conscious in uh fancy pants situations this is why i couldn't have ever been an academic glad i'm bailing on that <laughs> seems like uh everyone with a brain uh right, is, is increasingly uh thinking about bailing on that yeah uh, at the moment uh, you know, get get what's yours and get out. If anyone ever needs advice about navigating the academic racket, you can ask me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for a horrible future. Um. <laughs> <laughs> go and get yours, Kay, and then go do whatever it is. Go do kill go keep doing doing your thing. The thing about Kay is that they've already found a rhythm in a place to where they can like make stuff and like do that sort of a thing and now they can go and be like okay we can see and get degrees and do that kind of a thing to where like if academic academia continues to crater well they have a way they have an audience they that sort of a thing if you're gonna go into academia do that it's and have a have it sound like your dad everyone also thinks i'm their dad that one i'm fine with is uh have a back have a backup just in case yeah, I'm just going to get enough credentials that in Twitter arguments I can say actually I'm a historian and and, and then <laughs> uh, and then proceed to just make shit up like most of the fucking so-called historians <laughs> on Twitter. So <laughs> yeah, it is a uh, it, it's fun when that like that credential can definitely be leveraged um, to do evil, and also when the few times that I try and leverage that credential, people are like, "Fuck you, bitch! I don't care." And it's like, fine. yeah, I know, I know. No one cares. You shouldn't, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, history has history is such a, a politically charged thing in this moment yeah. uh, that everyone feels that they 
insofar as they have political ideas, they also have historical understanding automatically. So the idea of there being people who are qualified or trained in some way to understand history, uh, I think, is, is a joke to a lot of people. Because to them, that's just... That comes uh, a part and parcel with your politics. Like, oh, you're an anti-communist? All right. You now know the history of every communist country and it's uh, uh, authoritarianism, no food. Yeah. And if, if anyone tries to, like, argue with you on that, they're not arguing uh, about historical facts. They're arguing with your ideology. Yeah. And that's just got nothing to do with whether uh, someone, you know, has studied history or not. Well, that's an interesting... It's, I, think you're, I think you're completely right, particularly about... Um, historic strains of reactionary sort of right-wing ideologies. And I think anti-communism is the perfect one, particularly uh, for where I live in the United States and lots of lots of places in the West, but the, the U.S. in particular, we we had two red scares. Mm. Uh, a lot of people forget about the first one. No, there's... Uh, but what's really important is that a lot of those conversations... I, uh, I You can... Uh, Kay mentioned ideology. That's exactly right. Being there, that this is to be within ideology, because um, many of those people would say, "Well, it, you would ask them, well, do you think that's a little bit? Of, do you think that a communist country has ever done anything good ever, like raised illiteracy?" And they would say yes, and then maybe qualify it a whole bunch, and then continue yeah. to go on and still say, "I will never believe anything that a communist country ever says." Like when places like Vietnam have did a really good job when it came to preventing the spread of COVID-19 and keeping deaths incredibly, incredibly low, just a, a, a huge victory. There are people who I've heard uh, say, I will never believe, it's, they say it's all propaganda, I will never believe anything yeah. a communist country ever says. And the yeah. way I like to frame, that is firmly ideology. And if it helps, it's also very theological um, in it's whole. It's a holdover from the Cold War that was very much about a sort of a, a war between good and evil, between the the good capitalist West versus the evil communist East and all of its friends in those like Arab countries and things like that in the Middle East and in North Africa and the Pan African movements um, throughout that co continent in opposition to things like apartheid or whatever. These. The, the 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 things that could be good had to be recaptured by a capitalist imagination, and the things that can't be good always shall be bad. Ergo, communism equal bad, no matter what. It's because they're the devil. That when I was growing up in evangelical communities, they re often refer to the devil as the enemy, capital E. Is that not mm -hmm. fucking horrifying? <laughs> um, the capital yeah. E enemy, it's very Cold War. I always interpreted it as basically the exact same language so i think you're right on the money there actually yeah i think a lot of people are are you know th their hearts in the right place but they're misguided when they try to argue against anti-communist narratives with facts like yeah. a, a very common one is um about like death tolls yeah where they'll be like uh you know they'll be like uh, stalin killed 60 65 people. bajillion people yeah, and then people will be like, all right, yeah, yeah, Stalin did kill people, but those numbers are massively inflated. The Black Book of Communism, you know, it, it counts like fucking Nazi deaths and like Soviet soldier deaths in the war and all yeah. sorts of insane bullshit. The guy who wrote it was an ideologically driven hack, you know, all the all those facts. Um, but the thing is, the person who said the original thing, they don't care. They don't know what the Black Book of Communism is. Uh, the number they said was just a number that they heard. Yeah. Um, 
And they are saying that number not because they they think that they can like defend that number, but because they're trying to communicate that they think that communism just means death. They think it is the bad thing. It is the capital E enemy, just like you say. So, yeah, that, that's they're not arguing about historical fact. They reality has no bearing in that conversation whatsoever. It's all ideology. I like to live in a society. Nightbreed. I've never heard of it. Night, you haven't seen. Oh man, no. Nightbreed is it's 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 a guy um, who it's watch Nightbreed. It is okay. <laughs> a guy kind of like it, it get, a mix up who uh, a mix up in this sort of like medical serial killer kind of like it's amazing, and I. I have very strong feeling that you would like it. Okay, I will have to view it then with my That's little good. my little eyeballs and my ear holes. This, <laughs> okay, good, 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 both good. Yeah, you can That's s- how you. I'm sort of a I'm sort of an expert in movie watching, so I can use both. A lot of people they got to go one or the other, you know. <laughs> Just so people at home are aware, uh, uh, we're, we're we're something of uh, film experts. Um, and there's one one thing about being a film <laughs> expert that you may not understand is that I got two I, I got two eye holes mm-hmm. and I got two ear holes and I'm using all of them, baby. Wait, your eyes shouldn't be holes; they should be more sort of a sphere, sort of an oblong sphere. <laughs> uh, I have two sphere oblong spheres, two ears, okay. one heart, ten toes, ten fingers. Two lips, two lungs, one tongue. And yep. Two knees. Um, one uvula. The, the, yeah, these are all crucial. If you've got different yeah. amounts of any of these, it will it will affect your film viewing experience. <laughs> unfortunately, um, that's uh, why there's never any fucking disabled seating uh, in movie theaters. Well, hey. I mean, do, <laughs> yeah. If we really needed to take up an entire segment, I could talk about how fucked up it is. Um, they, they oh, oh, there's disabled seating. It's one half of one row on the part to where you have to completely crane your neck to see anything. Oh, and yeah, then, it'll be the very front. Nobody yeah. sits at the very front because it sucks. You or, sick dogs. And sometimes there's like a little plane of seating for like wheelchair use. Um, just kind of parking. Uh, on the like the first level of a balcony in a bigger theater. But like, what if you're a disabled person and you're not in a wheelchair? You're supposed to sit on the floor. No, you go sit in the front and burn your eyeballs. It's just like no one get like is, yeah, yeah. Ah, fuck it. Everything, everything when it comes to disabled people is ah, fuck you, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's always it's always very clear that it's an afterthought, which oh, obviously yeah. really you know massively affects the way people perceive themselves. Because if if the way that down to like architecture in society is designed tells you that you are like a nuisance and a secondary consideration you're going to internalize that um so you get a lot of people just feeling like they're a a burden or a pain in the ass just for trying to like go see a fucking movie like it's really grotesque well i'm an able-bodied person and i don't like to go to a place where i don't think i'm going to be able to find a seat isn't that like a very normal human thing? So it's like, why would you go to a fucking movie if it's going to be like, yeah, that the place to where it's hard to find a place to where I can sit down and enjoy myself and it's always a thing? Yeah. Some people, like, we just, we don't want to be, people don't want to be things, you know? Yeah. 
Hey, speaking of dehumanization, I feel like that segues nicely into the game that we were going to talk about today. Ugh, good game. Good game. A uh, good one. This is a little game called Sea Salt. It came out end of 2019. Yeah, it's, it's this indie game in which you take control of sort of a, a horde of Lovecraftian critters. You got fishmen, you got weird crabs, you got, I think you get like mind flare type dudes at some point. Yeah. Uh, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, and uh, I I want to, I just want to, to shine some light on this really cool game. What do, what do you sort of think of it, Kyle? Um, I have brought a reading um, as my first bit. This is uh, a short story by H.P. Lovecraft called The Tomb. And I just want to read, I'm sorry if it's a little long, but I think it will be worth it. I'll try and make it worth it. Um, I'm going to read the first paragraph of the story. Yeah, by all um, means. Starts with a quote. starts with a quote in Latin from Virgil that I'm not going to sit here and translate. Um, in relating the circumstances which have led to my confinement within this refuge for the demented, I am aware that my present position will create a natural doubt of the authenticity of my narrative. It is an unfortunate fact that the bulk of humanity is too limited in its mental vision to weigh with patience and intelligence those isolated phenomena, seen and felt only by a psychologically sensitive few, which lie outside its common experience. Men of broader intellect know that there is no sharp distinction betwixt the real and the unreal. That all things appear as they do only by virtue of the delicate individual, physical, and mental media through which we are made conscious of them. But the prosaic materialism of the majority condemns as madness the flashes of supersight which penetrate the common veil of obvious empiricism. And I think uh, that's an, that's a really useful summary for what a lot of people take away from Lovecraft in terms of scholarship, um, which is this, this, this idea of the horrific as a um, sort of like, a, and and the parallax between real and unreal, which is if we're thinking in terms of psychoanalysis, which is where the which would be where the capital R real exists. The idea of individual people um, as subjects who are incapable of articulating their true identity, for lack of a better term, because that concept exists in a realm beyond language. Um, and so it can be very frightening and horrific, our encounter with it. Um, but the thing about it, the thing about subjectivity and this is just kind of a weird interpretation I took of this game, so <laughs> I'll shut up after it. But the uh, the idea that like when you but basically you play uh, an eldritch god in the game, yeah. and you command uh, other sort of monsters and creatures, basically basically like eldritch horrors. Well, I mean, the, the name of the character, the name of the character is Dagon, which is an H.P. Lovecraft character for the record. But um, mm -hmm. you basically, you encounter humans in their sort of like, as their existing forms as subjects, there's a there's a guy with a gun and a cowboy hat. There's a kind of looking thing. There's like basically these various other sort of like, you know, like simple 
human oppositions in their guard towers on the ground with their sort of like constructed defense disrupted by something that exists sort of beyond the realm of their experiences. Now, I don't think the the creatures exist beyond the realm of our experiences. Um, but if we put this in a kind of historical context, um, the idea of like a lot of the t people who were uh, Lovecraft was writing about is supposed to be set in the early parts of the 20th century. This is an idea of horror that exists beyond uh, their ability to express it within language. It's a violent encounter with the real, this game. And in the case, you get to kind of play the real. Um, and it's also really fun. Um, it's a fun game. It is a lot of fun. I think it's really interesting how th there's a type of game that exists now where you get to play as a horror creature, yeah, like a slasher. Yeah, Carrion comes to mind. Um, it's it's a little different because it's like a competitive game, but uh, Friday the Thirteenth has mm, yeah. a game. You can yeah, be true. Jason, and and it's it's this really interesting type of game that I kind of want to see more of because it's not, you know, it's it's the opposite of how store, especially horror stories, are normally told, um, where you're in this more powerful position and the the conflicts that you're navigating. It's not really about overcoming the people so much like that that's normally quite uh you know pretty trivial uh killing people when you are the carrion thing um i forget if it has a name um mm -hmm. or when you're just like the when, when you're dagon controlling a swarm of fucking fish dudes and, and whatever else it, it it is really interesting especially uh this game i think stands apart from a lot of those other ones where you are you're an entity that is kind of beyond the scope of, of a lot of the actors in the game. Like in yeah. Carrion, you're controlling, you know, this thing. Everyone can see it. It's the thing yeah. that's attacking them and they're the fighting entity. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the entity. Whereas in, in Sea Salt, you are nowhere to be seen. You're not on the field. You are a, a force that is beyond uh what can be perceived by by any any of of the victims of of what you're up to. You just control this gaggle of, of little freaky creatures who sort of carry out your will. Uh, and they carry it out very approximately as well. Like I don't, you don't control things super in depth. You just kind of move them around and then yeah. they sort of, you know, they attack and, and yep. do shit on their own. Yeah. You command a series of uh, individual creatures and you're, you're able to, well, the thing I like the most, and I don't, I found, I was struck by how you accumulate, essentially, I don't know exactly if it's supposed to be some sort of Lovecraftian terminologically thing, but you essentially, like, accumulate fear and death as a means for, like, unlocking new horrors. It's this sort yeah. of, like, I, I love this, I love the way, and that's a very Lovecraftian thing, actually, to the credit of the game. The, I love the sort of, like, the, like, her the the build of the horrific into this sort of like a growing it hits this apex and then you're you're like at, at at this like heightened point of whatever uh stage you're on in the game it's you're just this like you're either like uh, like struggling to just kind of make it through to the end or you're this swirling mass of like terrifying weird fish dudes 
and it's pretty fucking sick. And when you basically like they're this it, 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 a punishment in punishment for not for ignoring the like the 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 eldritch god the fear um that that fear comes and fucking annihilates you and it's like whoo have have you played other lovecraftian kind of games uh and if so uh have you liked them and would you recommend any of them um yeah i've played uh i've played a couple and they were much more conventional like um walk around maybe do a couple puzzles get spooked by things sort of first person horror games um in the vein of something like amnesia Mm. um one of them uh, it's called conarium uh which is a game uh came out a few years ago that I liked quite a bit. Um it's sort of uh it, it leans really heavy into the aspects of Lovecraft that are sort of playing with sort of human perception of reality, and then as you go through this world, that gets more and more sort of blurred, and it becomes very clear that you are within this thing, uh or or stuck in this sort of series of events that's much larger than yourself and uh i i believe the game ends with you transferring your brain into an old one or something really bizarre like that <laughs> that's fucking dope <laughs> yeah it's at the mount at the mountains of madness is the novella that i guess it's uh i was just googling it yeah this looks pretty sick yeah yeah it is it, it's pretty heavily inspired by at the mountains of madness so if you like that one uh, you're, you're gonna like this game. It's it's fun. It's pretty spooky. Um, it's it's a good execution of of Lovecraft, which I think that people who make games are getting a bit better at it. I feel like there's been a lot of attempts at Lovecraftian games over the years, and I feel like um, it used to not be a mark of quality to me, at least. Yeah. If something was like, "Oh, this is gonna be Lovecraftian," it's like, does that mean you're gonna fight like squid monsters? Or is it going to engage with, you know, the ideas uh, of Lovecraft's work? Yeah. Uh, Other than the racism. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that's just for when you're streaming games. That's when the racism comes out. What's the... Oh, man. There is... That's that's the Lovecraftian game. Uh, uh, I have... I have... Well, goddamn. I actually have three... Uh, to three, I have three Lovecraft game, Lovecraftian games to recommend, and they were all, oh, yeah. literally all three of them were me- recommended to me by uh, Ash of Horror Vanguard. Hello, Ash. Thank you, Ash. Um, I loved, I sincerely loved all of these. The first one is called Euclidean, and it is a game where you fall infinitely, and <laughs> you are surrounded by these sort of roving, weird creatures that destroy you and you have to phase through them that's really the only way that i can explain this game without someone seeing it um it is vr compatible it is literally the only the only video game that has made me had any desire to try vr is this one um incredible look is a really cool thought-provoking game that you can just sit down and play for a few minutes um second game is a game called devil daggers Devil Daggers Ooh, is I played this one. It is the most Lovecraftian game that's ever been made. 
Um, again, thank you, Ash. Uh, and it is you're you are stuck on a platform surrounded by horrors, and you shoot daggers out of your hand, and you have to survive as long as you can. And it's really fun. Did you end up liking it, Kay? I uh, I don't think I'm very good at it. It's hard. <laughs> it's really fucking hard. Yeah, I I I played a bit of it, and then I started kind of watching videos of people playing it, and it's such a it's such an overwhelming sort of abyss of horrible things coming at you that I think that if you can if you can last a little longer than I do in it, I think it starts to really ramp up and really become uh, a really cool experience. Yeah. It uh it has a uh it's very intense. Um also very thought provoking. I'm also a fan of a game that you can just kind of sit down and play for fifteen minutes. Um What do you what do you think? What do you think about Devil Daggers? Devil Daggers is a representation of what's actually horrific, which is that which you cannot see, and then that which is that which then emerges from darkness um and is unrepentant and unapologetic. And it's attempts at destruction, the destruction of whatever it is you are and how you represent, um, how you, how you're representing yourself in, within the as the player or as the character with the, the, the dagger or like regard. It's the most Lovecraftian game that's ever been made because it does so. It it's not like all these other sort of like you know world. I'm a World War One alcoholic detective games that are saying that they're Lovecraftian. <laughs> It's just like yeah, it's that's not a whole a, subgenre. Yeah, exactly. It's not a skin. That it is. It is a feeling more than anything. It is this, like, to borrow sort of Mark Fisher's terminology. It is a both a a, a, a a weird and an eerie. Things are there that aren't supposed to be, and things are missing that should be there. Um, why are you surrounded by all of these eldritch horrors? Well, I'm in a horrifying place. Conf- a confirmation, the negation of that. Why did I come to this horrifying place? What kind of a place is this? Um, well, I'm here to defeat these things. Well, why are these things here in the first place? Also, why is this platform floating? What's beneath me? You don't know. You can't see. You can't know. Mm-hmm. Don't try and know because you'll just if you, you'll fall off the platform and die. Like it, and also you'll find that there is no defeating these things. Ultimately, yeah. they just keep coming until you die. You just fin- you finish at some point. Like yeah, and like you just it's like it says so much with so little um, uh, that I just think it's a remarkable video game. Um, the third, I have one more quick uh, Lovecraftian game to play, and it's called Hitler or Lovecraft. Um, and it's a game, a browser, a fun browser game to where you can look at two quotations and you can say, who wrote this Hitler or Lovecraft? Are you, will you think you're right? Woof. I don't know. Sometimes you'd be surprised. I think that's another important Lovecraftian game. Uh, also recommended to me by Ash of Horror Vanguard. (laughs) Hell yeah. This is sort of turned into sort of a, a Lovecraft games greatest hits episode, hasn't it? Yeah, a little bit. And Steve Buscemi is in all of them. Steve Buscemi. Um, so whenever, whenever in Lovecraft's writings he refers to something as indescribable, it's because it it has qualities that you would you would consider uh, characteristic of Steve Buscemi. And how do you describe that? <laughs> how can you? How do you put words to that? How does one describe Steve Buscemi? 
Yeah, this was before we knew the name of Buscemi. So uh, Lovecraft didn't have that uh, luxury. He had to try to, like, use words he had available to him to describe because he didn't have the word Buscemi. And without that, I mean, you can't. It's indescribable. It would melt your brain if you tried. You just don't even try to think about it. Don't even try to open that door. You know, you can't. If we have any ex-evangelicals in the audience, the, the song Indescribable by Chris Tomlin, he wrote that about Steve Buscemi. That's right. It'll make sense. <laughs> They'll get it. They'll know. If you know, you know. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> um, There is another Lovecraft game. I'm trying to fucking remember what it was this one uh this is a good one it's called spongebob squarepants battle for bikini bottom <laughs> it's about a, you play an eldritch horror and his uh his uh and an, his attempt to gather the uh the lost ancient relics that his friend patrick it's his socks patrick lost socks and you give patrick his socks back Patrick lost his socks? That's a yeah. really sad story. Yeah, you have to get him his socks. It's one of the collectibles in the game. You give him his socks back. That's a good Lovecraftian game. This game sounds great. Actually, it's good. I like it. <laughs> I it don't know if I've played it. I think I played like a Game Boy Advance SpongeBob game back in the day. I think it might have been called something like Flying SpongeBob Dutchman's Revenge. Oh, yeah, they're... There's a few, there's a Game Boy Advance game. I never played any of those, but I saw people speedrun Battle for Bikini Bottom. It just looked like a good 3D platformer. Turns out it's just a well-made 3D platformer. It's very fun. Damn. I don't know there's much about a... SpongeBob. I don't remember the squirrel's name. What's her um, name? Her name is Sandy. Her name is she's Sandy. She's from Texas. Yeah, I was about she's... to say, I know she's Southern. That's the thing. She's from Texas, and she's yeah. very defensive about that fact. <laughs> that is everybody. That's everybody from Texas. Yeah, I'm from. Te I'm from Texas. We know. You told us. <laughs> I like. I like people from. I have family in Texas. Actually, some of my best friends are Texan. So you can't cancel me. Stephen from Protean, who I know listens to the podcast. I love you. You're. You're not a. Te well, you live in Texas. You're from Illinois. This has been a fun well, what episode. The fuck do we want to do the bastards? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing. I'm not. I'm not doing us favors today. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's let's do the bastard of the week. Let's. Uh... So yeah. Uh, this one. You know. It's been a bit of. A, this one's been a bit of a loose loose episode. You know. Uh, we talked a bit about a few games, a few Lovecraftian games that we like. Uh, they're all... Uh, I think Sea Salt might be a little more expensive out of the games we talked about, but I think a lot of the ones we discussed are quite cheap. Yeah. Uh, indie games you could you could pick up easily if they sound like something that's kind of interesting to you. Um, so the bastard this week is... Uh, well, I'll just read this headline. It's a Kotaku headline. Activision, Blizzard, CEO, Bobby Kotick. If you know Bobby Kotick, you know that uh, you should expect to, to to see him in this position on our podcast uh, again and again. Uh, he has his own pay. Still rich. Still pretty. Um, 
so yeah, he cuts his own pay in half. It was uh, $1,750,000, and he, he cut it down to a measly uh, poverty wage of $875,000. Now, this is really interesting because it opens up a conversation uh, that I think not nearly enough people understand, which is that when you become a CEO, your salary is jack shit. Your salary is a very minor part of your payment package very often so it'll be a big thing ceos will do they'll they'll take pay cuts and stuff as like a little pr gimmick um yep. but then you look at you look at what else is in their package and often there will be millions of dollars of bonuses uh often they'll they'll get shares in the company usually worth a shit ton of money um it, it will often equate to far, far more than uh, than their fucking salary ever did. Yeah. More fun stuff here is it's not even limited to the private sector because you know who's really a big fan of doing this are administrators and presidents of colleges and universities in the United States. Ooh. And if you'd like to learn more about that, maybe we'll link it. Uh, I wrote about it um, uh, for Protein Magazine last year in which i also talk about res i i compare in which i in my true fashion uh, use uh marx's first marx's first value of capital to compare administrators of universities to the umbrella corporation from resident evil and then suggest that we become carrion from the game carrion and rip them a half and eat them um i did a curtsy there no one saw that um <laughs> uh <laughs> university administrators were doing this kind of shit they were doing like very like not, not, very shallow cuts into their very large ad administrative salaries, and mm. that are only a portion of the gigantic perks that they receive, both in bonuses, in uh, uh, literally country club memberships, and like all of this stuff. Because when you're the president of a university, your job is to bring in private money for the university. Full stop. That is your job. Yeah. Um, your job is to partner with industry, often some of the biggest shitheads on the planet, full stop. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, Bobby Kotick is not immune to that at all. He's like, this is the guy, like, the gamer guy is also on the board for fucking Coke. He's on Coca-Cola's yeah. corporate board. Like, just always remember that when it comes to the, 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 the epic video game millionaire or billionaire or whatever. Um, that they're just like all the rest of them. They fucking suck. They're capitalists. Yeah. So Bobby Kotick is, uh, according to this um, Kotaku article, uh, he can still earn an annual bonus uh, for, uh, for 2021 and 2022, uh, up to 200% of his new smaller salary. So he's probably going to be bringing in more money in reality than his original salary before his big performative cut. And that's not to speak of, you know, what other things he's he's getting uh, from his position as CEO. And most importantly, not mentioned in the Kotaku article, I don't believe, but I just think it's really important, uh, is that Bobby Kotick was mentioned in Jeffrey Epstein's Black Book. So... <sighs> What? Oh no! <laughs> no, not video game man. What? <laughs> no, surely he didn't do anything. Yeah, in 
I'm not sure if we have the numbers for 2020, but in 2019, uh, Bobby Kotick's total um, compensation package for Activision Blizzard uh, totaled uh, th- uh, 30 million. Draw so, and quarter hands. Yeah, that's so that's all the sort of shit he gets put together. So his little 800,000 salary cut that he gave himself, absolute performance. Nothing to do with anything. Yeah. It's uh, a small portion of his ludicrous income. Uh, and uh, once again, still in Jeffrey Epstein's black book, no matter how many times he cuts his little salary. It's, mm. it's amazing. It just doesn't make that fact go away no matter what he does. It's crazy. <sighs> And I think it's kind of, it's kind of reassuring to know that that this industry is in the hands of a bunch of overpaid pedophiles, don't you think? <laughs> if there's anyone that I would like to trust with um, one of the largest entertainment in, uh, parts of the entertainment industry, um, some of the most money and the the most growth in entertainment. It's uh, the Friends of Jeffrey Epstein Foundation. Like, goddamn, goddamn, goddamn. I, uh, yeah, it's always important to remember that you can't buy your way out of those flight logs, <laughs> apparently. Whoops. You just can't. Bobby, old Bobbert, Bobcott. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that fucking asshole besides the fact. There's not really anything else to say. Just yeah, fuck, fuck him. You. He's the bastard fuck of the you. week. He can eat fuck shit. You. <laughs> I think that's about it. Is there anything else you want to talk about while we're all gathered here today? Well, well yes. Um, I've uh, brought you all here today because um, I'm inter- uh, I have called an intervention for myself. Um, uh-huh. I... I'm still playing Hades, and uh, oh hell yeah! Okay, that's not how interventions work. Oh shit! Oh fuck! <laughs> shit! I'm terrible at interventions. You know, uh, people start listing off like you. You showed up to your son's bar mitzvah completely shit faced, and I'm in the background just like king. <laughs> you hear you, someone is very is very thoughtfully and quietly saying. This is not an attack. This is just because we love you and we want to think through some solutions to these problems. And you just hear in the back, and that's that's K. <laughs> oh, we're oh we're not partying here. I got like a we're, you know, I got like a thirty rack. And in the yeah, car. I immediately sabotage any intervention. I take the side of, of the person being intervention. I, t- I take the side of booze. <laughs> Take the side of booze hey, and addiction. What did alcohol ever do to you? It ain't never hurt no one. Come on. <laughs> I don't have the stomach for alcoholism. Yeah, I'm sort of similar. I I quite I enjoy drinking a lot. Um, but I I will throw up before I can get too fucked up, and it's like it won't even be like a really bad throw up. It'll just it'll feel like a mechanical yes. process of my body. Simply, it's like oh, it's been too much. Like I can, I've never. I've never been able to like get so drunk I black out. I've tried a couple times, which I I can't justify that behavior. I mean, but no. I was just curious what it felt yeah. like because I've never experienced it, and I I can't. <laughs> I I might I will I will throw it all up before I'm even close to being able to do well, that. And God so. bless that. That's very that's very. Good. I also I also I will get too queasy. I have blacked out one time. It was an not a great experience. Um, yeah, it seems horrifying to yeah. just like. 
not remember what you did and to have like a period of your evening where you weren't like fully in control of your action that seems really bad. i'm very glad that when i woke up in a vehicle woke up in a car was that band god that band my sister was obsessed with that terrible band. never mind not sure. something corporate that was that that band uh yeah i i uh woke up in a vehicle with a friend of mine driving me home I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Good. This is why yeah. we made a plan. Thank you. <laughs> I've had I've had friends who, if they you know if they have more than like a couple drinks, they black yeah. out, and it's like, why do you drink at all? I'd be terrified to drink yeah. if that happened to me every time. Yeah. Like that's, I don't know, Not worth it. Whew. No, it's that's fucked, man. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's weird. I, I'm lucky I don't have an addictive personality. Um, I'm not sure if addictive personalities are real, if that's a pseudoscientific category. Yeah, I think but, there's, uh, I think genetic disposition in some ways plays a part of it, but we're not here to figure out where things start and where other things yeah. stop. Um, <laughs> like... Fuck figuring things out. I mean, as as documented capital Q (laughs) queers, both of us, we're not really into that vibe. (laughs) Like that's right. Like yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good to explore those things. But like, I'm not here to make those declarative statements. Fuck that. No, we're just vibing. We're vibing. That's right. (laughs) We're vibing with Biden. You know how it is. Well, he's (laughs) he said he'll sign the Pro Act. I'll take it. All right. I mean, somebody said that Biden is dead. Like we know that well, right? yeah. he's been dead for a while. Now. Biden, Joe <laughs> Biden, or whatever. It, they're, you know, it's weekend at Biden's. But like, if it gets the pro act signed, <laughs> I do not Biden. care. <laughs> Such. Yeah. Hey, whoever signed that, right on. Get that. Th- get that thing. Get fuck the filibuster. Get rid of the filibuster, and then get the whole thing through. Screw reconciliation, and get that thing signed. I don't care how. I legitimately do not care how. Pass the Pro Act. God. Gamers. <laughs> gamers. Gamers, pass the fucking Pro Act. If you're Act, in the gamers, United States, on. you should reach out to the Democratic Socialist. Oh, oh my God. Absolutely. Okay. So if you're in the United States or anywhere, really, and there's a chapter of the DSA close to you, reach out to them because they are doing phone banking and stuff for the Pro Act in partnership with the AFL-CIO. They've made like 600,000 phone calls and it's really, really good shit and you should go do it. Like they're they're doing great work. So like I I saw how quickly I I'm like oh my god there actually is a call to action in this. Uh, hey. <laughs> go like there are people who are doing stuff for the Pro Act Democratic Socialists of America. Go work with DSA. There's some great people over there. I am a member of the Boom, DSA. There you go. For the record, this this loosey goosey podcast it was all building up to that specific call to action which we planned ahead of time. Yes. Um, um as we always <laughs> do we very meticulously plan every second of this podcast that's right well <laughs> big gulps huh uh hey how about them big gulps we're at an hour and a bit i'm sure this is probably an episode oh, it's definitely an episode do you want would you like to uh, uh uh plug things yeah it's time to it's time to plug some things let's plug some things um uh um, i me i i am uh I, i'm playing <laughs> skittles uh on on twitter.com really uh yeah uh that's sort of a now twitter.com that's sort of like a website where people can make small posts called tweets yeah um and mine are all perfect that's sort of a Uh known thing um so yeah you can follow me there you can watch my videos on youtube i'm k and skittles on there 
uh and uh and and kyle where can where can the good folks at home the good christian housewives that makes up our entire listening yes. base um where can they find you um uh with the good lord of course um and, praise be and, and uh um yeah i'm also on twitter although i'm not the uh general secretary of of twitter like Kay is um <laughs> you can find me there at labor kyle and then you can find me on youtube.com also slash labor kyle where i have videos one that i put out fairly recently and then another one that should be out soon after this episode i think it's a uh, going into production it has been produced actually a lot large portion of it but i'm going out of town and so i'll be gone for a week uh but yeah you can go look at my stuff there and then i don't know look outside i'm 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 in the sky look you see real close just see i'm on I'm in the clouds, wait, like like the like God from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Thank you. God, we are so obviously tired on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me. Been a Listen, long week. Folks, life is fucking hard. Alright. But you know what makes it a little bit better? Video, Video games. games. I mean, yeah. Video like, games. What else? <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing we know on this podcast all we know is eat hot chip charge charge phone uh play video games and lie. yes you heard it here first we love to lie yeah i love lying uh, i love lying nothing we say on this podcast is true you idiots you rubes. the whole time i pulled off my mask and i'm gwyneth paltrow um Okay. We're in the, actually in the goop uh universe extended is it an extent the goop extended universe without no there's a word the what? Goop are you familiar with goop? No. Okay. Do you not know what Gwen <laughs> the Paltrow has been up to? It's absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> I I <laughs> I haven't been following she's Gwyneth's been, She's been uh, doing like career. neoliberal spiritualism via consumer products. And there's a Netflix show that is the most unhinged thing I've ever seen. I recommend- Is that the person who was selling like a candle that smells like their vagina? Correct. Or was that someone else? Oh, that was her? That okay. is her. Yeah, I'm glad she's thriving she's, in this economy. Oh, she's thriving. And she is probably going to like- it like she's probably be going to become like a deep ecological fascist at some point. I've had a feel. I like. I just see that her. I see her character arc going that way, with all of this yeah. weird like the moon is over here, and so I'm gonna put this thing in my this crystal in my vagina or whatever. And like, hey, if that's your vibe, I mean, that's go for like, it. But like, do it for the working class. Or not even pseudoscience, just like sort of pseudo mysticism. Oh yeah, really. It's like is, is what it's it like is. new age sort of like spiritualism and as a uh uh explicitly dialect funny enough this is true as a dialectical materialist podcast <laughs> that's yeah this is true we are a we are a marxian podcast so we don't really agree with a lot of that hokum unless you're going to use it as an 
unless unless you're going to use it to create like a worker ontology or something like that like how like mm. like how season of the bitch uses astrology as like like proletarian like like non-men power which i think personally i actually find to be a vibe um i still don't understand anything that they ever say zoe from season of the bitch i love you i never understand anything that you're saying to me uh <laughs> um but I think no. that's how you know the astrology is working. That's how you know it's at its strongest, is yeah. <laughs> when I'm confused. Honestly, that's, that's probably right. true. Yeah, probably. Anyways, how do I end? Uh, podcast <laughs> over. Uh, get a job, you Pod- kids. Podcast Bye. over. <laughs> 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 get, get a real job you bums like being a podcaster get out of here mm-hmm. go on get all gamers are bastards Ah, ravioli. Ah, mamma mia.